Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast, a show that brings meaning and purpose to the fantasy season. It's our hope to help you win your league, but more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. This is the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. We are not experts, but rather fantasy coaches here to encourage you and help you win and find meaning and purpose throughout the fantasy season. We won't always be right, but we hope we'll be convincing. I'm Bryce Johnson coming to you from the Unpacking It Ministries studio in Charlotte, North Carolina. My partner is Harrison Zuckerberg coming to you from Texas. We will hear from him in just a moment. Today on the show, we will let you know what we're convinced of. We will dive into the Fantasy Football Fellowship playbook. Week number two is all about surprise performances. And so we will discuss the surprising performances from week one. And we will also uh, begin our weekly accountability and confession segment. That's right. When we talk about a player and, and we have predictions and we get them wrong, we will admit when we got those wrong and maybe we, we, we won't be able to maybe admit all of them, but we'll admit a few uh, and you can hold us accountable here on the show, but we'll also let you know, Hey, did you listen? A couple of the predictions that we got right. And, and, and so we'll hit those home uh, as well. We'll do our segment peace or panic, and then we'll talk waiver wire uh, during our segment invest or pass. Let's say hello to Harrison and you get us going, Harrison. What are you convinced of? following week one what's up Bryce uh it was a great week one but unfortunately what I'm convinced of this week is that I'm the grim reaper of fantasy football Uh, I feel like everyone that I have talked up this season has showed promise and then gotten injured before they could actually do anything I mean Cam Akers was my big crush in the offseason from a running back he never even got to play you know Gus Edwards, I was literally talking about last week, and about two days later, he comes out that he's done for the season. Irv Smith was my sleeper tight end of the year. He got injured. Jerry Judy looked amazing in the first half against the Giants. I think he had like six catches for 70 yards just in the first half. Then he gets injured with the high ankle sprain. He's going to be out for a while. And then my, I'm convinced from last week, the Washington football team, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I, I mean, come on. It's the first game, and he's already done. I was talking up saying he was going to lead them to the playoffs. I mean, now we're going to see the Taylor Heineke train, what that can do. But it's just so disappointing. This is one of the things in fantasy where you got your guys, you love them, but you just obviously can't predict injuries. And sometimes it sucks. But now, as fantasy managers, we got to figure out what we do from here, how we respond, and how we fill in these holes in our lineup from guys who we thought we were going to perform really well and then turned out not even being able to play. That's right. As we know, injuries are always a part of the game. And I, I try not to get you know overly you know, bummed out or dwell on who, who gets injured. And, and I bought into your hype with Jerry Judy. I have him in two leagues. And, and so I'm you know responding to that, dropping him into the IR spot and looking forward to picking up some guys on the waiver wire, which, which we'll discuss in a little bit. But, but I think the overall you know, perspective from week one, it was great. You know, despite a few teams who really didn't play in the preseason that, that have gotten off to you know probably a slower start than they, they would have expected, uh, like the Titans, um, you know, I, I thought 
a lot of great big time fantasy performances from guys that that we expected. And then we'll talk about some of the surprises in a little bit. But you know, starting with Dallas and Tampa Bay last Thursday, that got us going all the way to Monday Night Football, where we got to see the the Raiders and the Ravens and, and some fun performances uh, with, with guys in, in in every game in between. So I watched a lot, a lot of football. Uh, I was a little under the weather. Gave me an excuse to be on the couch uh, or my recliner, I should say. And uh, and it was fantastic. So with that said, here's what I'm convinced of. Matthew Stafford is going to light it up this year. Week one, if that, if that was any indication, and he didn't even play in the preseason, 321, three touchdowns, getting everybody involved. Cooper Cup's going to have a monster year. I've got him in a couple leagues. Very excited about him. Uh, I, I think, you know, whether it's Daryl Henderson, I think he'll be a big factor. They didn't really go to Sony Michelle, which was intriguing. So uh, they're going to rely on Stafford. It's going to be all about him. And, and so uh, fired up there. I also, I'm convinced Jameis Winston is here to stay. We've always known that he's got the talent. He was number one pick. Now he's in a good situation. He's matured. I think he's worked out some of the kinks and he's got, he doesn't even really have a ton of weapons around him, but I think as the season goes on, some of these younger guys will continue to get better. Uh, and I think he will be the, the constant. We don't have to worry about Taysom Hill stealing his job. Hill will play a factor. But but week in week out, I like Winston. And I like him as a fantasy guy. Uh, he can throw he can throw some touchdowns. That's for sure. Uh, lastly, I'm convinced DeAndre Swift is going to be fantastic. He had eight catches for 65 yards and a touchdown. I think last week I was talking about him that, that we kind of underrated him. We just we forgot about him in the offseason. He just did, he wasn't getting a lot of buzz. Jamal Williams was getting a lot of buzz, but he played well too. So I think both of them, the Lions are going to be down in games like we saw against San Francisco. They're going to be throwing to both of them out of the backfield. And so if you're in PPR, they're going to be valuable. But but Swift, I think, is just a little bit more talented. So uh, that's what I'm convinced of. Any any response to any of that, Harrison? Yeah, I agree with the uh, DeAndre Swift take because I was a big fan of Jamal Williams. And I thought it would be interesting to see how they could coexist in this backfield. But, you know, surprisingly, the offense was good enough for both of them to get points. I think both of them scored over 20 points in uh, PPR fantasy, which usually like never happens unless you're on an elite offense. So seeing a team that a lot of people wrote off as being really bad in the um the Lions. I think that was cool to see both of them perform well. And I think that was another thing that I'm convinced of for this season is being able to find value in these bad teams, which yes. was something we talked about on one of our preseason uh, episodes. But we're talking about the Lions. No one wants to draft in the Lions, but they still score points. You saw the Texans go out and just kill the Jaguars and put up huge numbers, even some guys on the Jaguars to perform well. And then Corey Davis on the Jets, someone who I talked up last week, you know, big game, two touchdowns. I mean, besides him, there's not a ton of value on the Jets, but I think think that's another thing for this season is not writing out anyone that week one showed you anything can happen in this NFL season no matter what team you are the great thing about fantasy when it comes to bad teams is bad teams uh in the second half go into you know basically two minute drill where it, they're fast plays and so they get a lot of plays especially if they can get a couple first downs and so there's just a lot of opportunity at the end of games especially for some PPR catches, you know, it's you, you go and you find your go-to guys. So, you know, if you're the Jets, you're, oh, where's Corey Davis? He's our best player. Boom, we're going to Corey Davis. And and you kind of can predict a little bit more with the bad teams that there's only going to be one or two guys. Whereas some of these offenses that have, you know, three or four or five weapons week in, week out, like take Tampa Bay. Well, you, you've got your, uh, you know, the, the, the big wide receiver. Where, where was he? Mike Evans. You know, he, he did nothing in, in week one, but Gronk, Gronk had a monster game. 
And and so that, that makes it a little tricky. Like you love the Bucks, you love that Bucks players on your team, but there will be some weeks where it's like, uh oh, I thought I'm I'm counting on Mike Evans, but there just wasn't enough to go around for him. Whereas if you go with the Jets, Corey Davis, week in week out, he's all they got. He, that's who that's who they're going to roll with. And with the Lions, I think Swift and I'll talk about Hawkinson later as well. Uh, so so they, you know those two guys I think are a little bit more uh, reliable. So uh, it's a, it's an interesting thought to think about some of the sorry teams because I know many fantasy owners go into drafts avoiding bad teams. Uh, I don't. I go the opposite. I like I lean into some of those some of those teams and the Lions for whatever reason year in year out are always one of those teams for me. I, maybe it's the, the Thanksgiving love for the Lions. Like I'm a I'm a closet Lions fan. I don't know. But uh, but anyway, excited about those two guys in particular. All right. Before we jump in even more, uh, we always like to get things going with the Fantasy Football Fellowship Playbook. And so here on this podcast and, and here at Unpacking It, we're all about faith, sports, life. We, we talk about it all. We combine it. We look at the parallels. And so I wrote a, a, a book uh, where each week throughout the fantasy season, we take a fantasy concept and relate it to the Bible. And so week two is all about surprising performances. And, and so what's, what's fun about this is week one, we saw, you know, I think a, a decent amount of surprises starting in New Orleans, Houston, Mark Ingram, uh, even in Baltimore with Tyson Williams, uh, Latavius Williams, uh, Latavius Murray going from New Orleans to Baltimore. He gets into the end zone. Uh, you had uh, even Cincinnati, how well they played. Jamar Chase was somewhat surprising after a, a, a bad preseason. Joe Mixon uh, was was somewhat surprising with how well he played with some of the concerns that we had with the Bengals' offensive line. Um, and even Burrow coming back you know, off the big injury, playing as well as he did. So there, there were some surprises, especially for, for week one. And and then I, I think a you know a name like Jawan Johnson specifically in New Orleans, you know two touchdowns, very surprising. And and Jameis with five touchdowns. And so every week, every year, we get these surprises in fantasy football. And so how does this relate to our own lives? I have been a follower of Jesus for a long time, and and one of the the constants for me is that I have seen God show up in miraculous surprising ways when I have been at the end of my rope, at the end of myself, at the end of, uh, of a situation and, and knowing that the only way I was going to get through is if God was going to show up and that he was going to come through and that he was going to provide in a certain way, whether that's been, you know, financially or relationally or work wise, he shows up and has shown up in so many ways in my life and and oftentimes it, it comes out of nowhere. It's well, I I you know I thought the situation was going to go this way, or I, I thought you know uh, God was going to work in this specific way, but instead He does it totally different. Or I thought He would do it by now. It waits a little bit longer, but man, I'm so glad that that He He waited because the timing was perfect and the door that opened up was just right. And and He knew that even in my limited understanding. And so when it comes to fantasy football, oftentimes we have a limited understanding. You know, I should have mentioned uh, Elijah Mitchell because that was the guy that was the biggest surprise of the day when when Trey Sermon didn't even uh, start. He didn't. He wasn't even dressed for for San Francisco, and so all of a sudden at the last minute, 49ers activate Eli Mitchell. It's like, whoa, where did that come from? He has a big day, gets in the end zone, and and so 
in our own lives, I think the the encouragement for us today, regardless of the situation that you're in, there are some key verses that, that we can cling to that speak to God's power and his miraculous ability uh, to come through. And so in Ephesians 3, it says, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. God can do so much more than we can imagine. In our limited understanding, in our, our limited view, uh, he exceeds that over and over and over as we trust him, as we follow him, as we rely on him. And then 2 Corinthians, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And, and then this, this wonderful reminder in James one uh, seventeen. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. Um, and then lastly, Philippians, the peace of God which transcends all understandings, understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And, and so let's, let's wait expectantly, excitedly, looking for how God's going to show up surprisingly um, and, and in amazing ways. And, and so oftentimes it comes out of nowhere. This actually is going on in my life right now. I've got this unbelievable opportunity that came out of nowhere. And so uh, it's fun as we, we start the fantasy season, some out of nowhere performances. Uh, how about Kenneth Gainwell? How about Tony Jones Jr.? We got some guys, uh, but in our own life, uh, let, let's keep, keep expecting God to move. Uh, in, in amazing ways. So you can uh, unpack that this week. If you haven't ordered the Fantasy Football Fellowship Playbook, I uh, encourage you to check that out. And if you want to let your fantasy uh, league know about the book as well, uh, that would be awesome. So appreciate that. And then also on Thursdays, we do a call uh, where we talk about the book together with all the Fantasy Football Fellowship leagues uh, that are kind of in-house. And so we got four of those leagues. Uh, great start to, the, to the, the season for me. Week one, I was matched up against Harrison. I was able to beat him. So, you know, one of us had to lose. So it's not great that we're uh, one of us is starting 0 and 1, but uh but I'm I'm glad that 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 I'm the one. As the founder of Fantasy Football Fellowship, I brought you on. I had to beat you first week just to kind of keep you keep you in line, right? Is that fair? How, what what was your big takeaway from the matchup? Um, big takeaway from the matchup probably would be investing too heavily in specific teams. I had both Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson. So, you know, some weeks if Washington's clicking, uh, they'll go off and I'll win a week, but other weeks like last week after Fitzpatrick got injured, it was, uh, it was tough to get points after that with both of them. So that kind of, that kind of hurt me going forward. That's right. That's right. Uh, I think they'll be fine moving forward, but we disagree. I think they should go, uh, go get a quarterback. But you're you're gonna ride it out on on Heineke, so so we'll see. I think he's got some talent, man. He's got some heart. I mean, we saw in that that Bucks game in the playoffs, diving for the pylon. He's oh, yeah. he's scrappy. He's he a baller. He's he's like Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's funny he, in, in different good. ways, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Just as far as you you overlook him a little bit, I guess is the the key there. Um, so thankfully, so I'm in six six leagues, uh, and so I went four and two over the weekend. Uh, so feel pretty good. Yeah, a couple couple concerns here or there, but. Uh, feel pretty good. With that said, last week on the show and, and maybe throughout the, the offseason, uh, there are a few players that, that I, I need to 
confess and, and hold myself accountable to that I, I was wrong about, at least in week one. And this could change moving forward. Uh, <laughs> but I, I was like, oh, man, Russell Gage is so underrated. Yeah, zero catches for him. I'm selling Atlanta. He's the only guy that I bought into, but I'm, I'm cutting him. I'm out. I don't want anyone with a Falcons jersey on my fantasy teams, okay? So I am out on them. Now, we talked about bad teams. I just, they're, they're so bad that I just don't want to deal with them. So I'm out on them, uh, but I was wrong about Gage. And then I was also, I also have to confess, I thought that Jalen Hurts was overrated, and it looks like he was properly rated, maybe even a tad underrated. He could end up having a monster year, but back to my theory about how bad Atlanta is, let's see Hurts do it again. But three touchdowns uh, in the first game uh, against Atlanta looked good, got all his young receivers involved. Smith is going to be a stud. He's going to be great for fantasy all year long. I'm buying into him. Um, and then the one other thing I got wrong, uh, Ryan Tannehill. I went heavy on him. I've got him in two or three leagues. And 212 yards, one touchdown, two fumbles, six sacks. Very concerning. Not going to panic yet, but I was all excited about having him in the Titans offense. And after week one, not so much. So what, what can we hold you accountable uh, to, uh, Harrison, and, and what can you confess today? Similar thing with the Falcons. Now, I mean, from the previous episode, I told everyone that Mike Davis was going to be a bust, and we were right about that. He only had like 40 yards, and uh, Cordell Patterson actually led the team in rushing yards. But I also told people to go and get Calvin Ridley, and that I thought he was going to be a stud this year. Now, he had an okay game. But, I mean, this Atlanta offense is is really concerning. The Eagles have a pretty terrible defense, and if he wasn't able to go off against the Eagles and, and Matt Ryan was looking shaky, I know it's the first game with a new offensive coordinator, first real game figuring out, but, man, that was, that was scary um, to look at there, what, what happened in Atlanta. Yeah, I think it's – there are certain teams like the the the, uh, the uh, Packers, which we'll talk about, or the Titans. The talent's still there, so it's, like, hard to panic. But but in Atlanta, I, I just like the coaching staff, I, all of it just seems I just I don't feel good about it. I really don't. Um, so anyway. Yeah. And then an, I was going to say another guy who I was pretty down on, but actually ended up playing well was Adam Thielen. I mean, I thought Adam Thielen was sort of going to get tossed aside a little bit. and was going to be the Justin Jefferson show. And I thought Irv Smith was going to cut in a little bit. But now that he was injured, I mean, Thielen's still there. Two touchdowns. I thought he was going to be. Um, you know, phased out of this offense, but he is still the number two receiver there. And even maybe the number one, depending on some days with how Jefferson was playing. I know Jefferson had some drops in that game and it looks like Kirk still really uh, leaned on Thielen, which I was wrong about going into the season. Yeah. He's one of my, my favorite fantasy players ever. I, I, I almost, not that I discovered him, but I had him on early, you know, early on my teams. And so what was it? I'm still a big fan. He's here in the studio. If you can see, if you're watching the, the video, he's one of the cards on the, uh, on the wall. But I, I missed on him, too. I don't have him on any teams, and I think that's a miss on, on my part. So I just I – just, he didn't land uh, on my teams this year for whatever reason. But part of that was that hesitation. Like, man, number two, he's getting a little older. I, I still don't buy into the Vikings. They lost. I, I don't feel good about them either. They're another one of those teams that it just doesn't feel right coaching-wise. It's just a disconnect. There's just a disconnect there. Whereas, like, to me in Detroit, there's just the opti- there's some optimism with Campbell and, and even with Jet with the Jets. Like, there's optimism surrounding them. Uh, so there's a little bit different there. Like, Jacksonville, no optimism. That's a nightmare down there, which we'll get to. Um, all right. The other segment we'd like to do is, did you listen? 
And so these are the predictions that we got right. So we like to do a little bit of, little bit of bragging. And, and let me start with this. So we recorded the show last week, and I was like, oh, Tony Jones Jr., you should go get him. He's great. Like, he's going to be a, a good running back for New Orleans. And then all of a sudden, after the show, Harrison texts me, and he goes, hey, Latavius Murray was just released. So it was fantastic. And then Jones gets in, plays well, 50 yards, 11 carries. He's going to be a contributor. Keep him on your bench as a, as a you know, stash, handcuff kind of guy. And then every once in a while, especially during the bye weeks, could be a flex play, uh, even if Kamara is still healthy. So uh, excited about that one. So I did nail that. I, I feel good about that. And then Ken, Kenneth Gainwell in Philly. I was like, eh, I'm not in on Boston Scott. I want Gainwell. So if he's available in your leagues, go get Kenneth Gainwell. He's going to be involved in this Eagles offense. Him and Miles Sanders, a nice one-two punch, and, and he'll catch a lot of balls out of the backfield. What were, yeah, what, were you, what were you right about? I agree with that Kenneth Gainwell take. I mean, he was involved early and often, and he should have had two touchdowns in that game instead of one. One was called back for like a legal formation or something. So I think he's going to be a big uh, contributor to that team. Guys that I think I was right about, I mean, if you listen to the previous podcast, you know how much I loved Kyler Murray. Number one overall fantasy quarterback, week one, five touchdowns, had a great week. Another quarterback that I was really big into was Tom Brady in the offseason. He had an amazing week, four touchdowns, week one. Um, and then Mike Williams was, if you've watched our uh, our TikToks and our uh, Instagram reels, he was my sleeper wide receiver of the of the year. 80 catches for a touchdown against a very good Washington defense week one. I think he's going to establish himself as that, that second guy in uh, L.A. Did you say 80 catches? Or 80 yards. Sorry oh, about that. 80 yards. 80 catches. What a game. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, 80 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. Good call and then, on that. And then someone who we were both really a big fan of, uh, Damian Harris, I think, really showed out what he can do. I mean, the Patriots ran the ball 30 times in that game. 23 of those carries went to Damian Harris. I know people are worried about James White or Stevenson from the preseason, but he was their workhorse back. Didn't get a touchdown, but got 100 yards. I think he's going to be really promising going forward, too. Now that you mentioned him, let's transition to peace or panic. And, and these are, are players that, that maybe are in a tough situation or didn't have a great week one. And, and so we have to decide, are we going to panic and move off of a player, bench them, drop them, trade them? Or, or remain at peace and, and keep this guy you know, in, our, in our lineup. And, and so I think you bring up Damian Harris. Normally, you know, if you, if you fumble once, it's like, all right, you got to look at how great of a game he had. And, and he's good. Like, if you watch him, he's awesome. That's why I've been so high on him. Like, he's just a really good running back, and he showed it. But when you fumble in New England, Bill Belichick, he just moves on from you. I mean, he'll he'll cut running backs. He'll drop them. Stephen Ridley, uh, remember uh, it was like Gary or Gray, the guy from Notre Dame years ago. He had like three touchdowns in one game. Then he was out the next week. I can't remember his name. He's already. I mean, he was out of the league. I think it was Gray. Yeah, I remember that. He had like four touchdowns in one game. The next season, everyone was all hyped up, and he just got cut. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think even like the next like weeks, it was just like, within that season, it was nuts. So with with so you, uh, there is some level of concern with. New England thinking, hey, we had this game, we, you know, we were moving, and Harris fumbles, and so you end up in the doghouse. I, I'm, I'm going to remain at peace for now because of how good he is, and I hope that Belichick looks beyond it. But I think there is something to be said about J.J. Taylor getting more carries this week, which isn't necessarily a terrible thing because Harris appeared to be a little bit worn down at the end of that game. So you give him you know, a couple, couple uh, plays off, that, that could be okay. 
could be better in the long run. Because uh, we want to win. We want to win late in the year. And so I, I'm counting on Damian Harris to have a big season. Um, all right, another piece or panic. Lamar Jackson. Yesterday, they lose to the the Raven, the Raiders. Uh, he had two fumbles. Uh, didn't throw the ball particularly well. Mark Andrews did nothing. Um, you know, the receivers, eh, okay. Uh, Brown got a touchdown. Um, Lamar ran the ball well, 80 yards, so you feel good. Uh, but overall, just with this this Ravens offense, are you panicking or are you at peace about Lamar Jackson? I'm not necessarily panicking yet because I think that this is such a good coaching staff that they'll be able to figure it out. And, you know, they were really thrown into the fire here with not having – you know, any of their running backs and the game plan they expected to have going to the season actually available for week one. But I am a little concerned, not just because of Lamar, but because of the offensive line too. Yeah. I mean, they traded um, Orlando Brown in the offseason to Kansas City. And you saw in that game, I mean, um, I forget what his name is, Carl Nassib on that last play with the fumble. And then the other DNs that Oakland had, they were getting to Lamar pretty quickly. And he looked panicked himself in the pocket and was scrambled and not actually being able to find his receivers downfield, which I think is concerning that if they can't lean on a run game and their offensive line is looking bad, you know, Lamar will get his with the rushing yards and he'll get some touchdowns. But overall, this Baltimore team, I mean, it was not a good look for them week one, especially defensively too. lost a lot of guys defensively to injury. Uh, I mean, Peters was out, so their secondary is really hurting. I'm I'm panicking a little bit about Baltimore overall. I think Lamar will still figure it out, though, and be okay for fantasy going forward. I just think we need to like temper our expectations a little bit about him maybe being like the number one overall fantasy True. quarterback. I think he can still be solid though with his situation. Yeah, it's all all relative, you know, based on where you took him and what your expectations are. But yeah, I think there's a level of panic there. I, I do L- losing week one to to Las Vegas the way that they did, uh, and the fumbles. You know, the fumbles are concerning too. Um, so, and, and to your point about the offensive line. All right, the other team I, I'm I'm definitely panicking on, but I was out on them anyway. Uh, but it's Jacksonville and specifically James Robinson. Here's a guy that I loved last year, picked him up. It was awesome. Great year. But him and Carlos Hyde, they combined for 14 carries while Trevor Lawrence threw the ball 51 times. And this was against Houston. So Houston, I think it's safe to say, has the worst roster uh, in the league, like going into the year. And, you know, from an NFL standpoint, just the fact that they won, it was impressive. Just a bunch of guys playing hard. You got you got to respect that. But from Jacksonville's perspective and from a fantasy perspective, I think some of the receivers, you know, Chenault, Marvin Jones, like those guys will will get some catches and some yards, and I think they'll be they'll be fine fantasy weapons. But James Robinson, I I'm very very panicky, concerned that that he's going to have as good of a year as he had last year. And and there was some hype uh, once ETN went down that that Robinson, you know, would would be more involved. Following week one against Houston, I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm leaning toward the, the panic on, on that one. Um, all right, let's talk uh, Packers. I want to get your thoughts on kind of Green Bay overall. Nobody had a good game, so everyone was bad. Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> he was the 35th like quarterback, and there's only 32 uh, leagues. I saw that on social media before we came on, but um, so he was bad. But do you panic? Do you have peace? Is this going to be just a, a dumpster fire of a season, or next week they light it up and he throws for four touchdowns? I'm not necessarily panicking uh, with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers because I think this is a situation where, you know, 
I think we were sort of caught off guard a little bit by the type of offense and how effective uh, New Orleans was because New Orleans was a wild card going into the season completely about what they were going to do with Jameis Winston. And I think this game plan they had of being really aggressive on defense and then controlling the tempo on offense so that once they got up, there wasn't time for the Packers to get back into this game because they were just eating clock on their drives with the run game. I think Aaron Rodgers will be able to bounce back. I think the offense will bounce back. I still believe in the talent there. Um, so I think people should, should calm down a little bit for now. People are saying that Aaron Rodgers is washed now, which is kind of ridiculous coming off of an MVP season. I think he'll be all right in that. I'm not, I didn't really invest heavy in the Packers in fantasy, just because, you know, I think some of their players were overvalued off of last season. But I don't think they're a terrible team now either. I think they'll be okay. I would actually probably try to get, uh, if, 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 if another fantasy owner is panicking, going to try to grab one of the Packers players. It's probably worth, it's, it's worth going for at this point, especially it's, it's, it's only one game. I mean, it was really bad, but we, we've already seen how good they are. Like, we know how good Green Bay is, so. They should be fine. I would lean more toward them being fine. But there is the chance with everything that happened in the offseason that that this season unravels. Like it, I could absolutely see that play out. But I think Devontae Adams, you know, he's playing for a contract. He needs to have a big year. Um, I still like A.J. Dillon. I think I'm going to keep him for now. I've got him on at least one team. That's that's where I come out on that. And then I Rod- He's still one of the top quarterbacks. Yeah, I would agree with that. If someone in your league is looking to trade Devontae Adams now, um, I would go get Devontae Adams if the price is right. If they're, like, let's say hypothetically, if someone was giving you their, like, Devontae Adams for your running back two or something, go get Devontae Adams. He's going to be just fine, even if this team's not as good as we thought they were going to be. That's right. Absolutely. All right, so let's get to invest or pass. And and so these are the, the big names on the waiver wire. And you know, guys that had the surprising performances over the weekend, they're stepping into a new opportunity because of, of injuries. And early in the season, it's when the waiver wire really is the most important because some of those guys end up having you know, a monster season and we just didn't see it coming. But week one showed it and then it kept rolling. And, and so I think I, I mentioned uh, Elijah Mitchell uh, in San Francisco. I think he's one of the biggest, you know, uh, hyped guys coming out of week one. Now, I know for you, Harrison, you were big on uh, Trey Sermon. And so are you selling Sermon and going all in on Elijah Mitchell and and spending, you know, waiver wire dollars or waiver wire priority on on him? Uh, so are you investing or are you passing on on Mitchell? So for Mitchell, I think it's interesting. You know, the big stories coming out of San Francisco was week one, like what the heck happened with who they were playing? You saw Brandon Ayuk benched for Sherfield and you saw Elijah Mitchell get in instead of Trey Sermon, which was which was really big because, you know, Brandon Ayuk had been talked up as a top 20 wide receiver in fantasy going up into the season, didn't have a single target when he was on the field, was just returning punts. And um, Trey Sermon didn't even play. He didn't even dress for the game. And you saw a sixth round pick and Elijah Mitchell get in instead. So I'm not selling um, Sermon. I'm not that concerned about it. And here's why. I think that in the past, when you've seen Mostert gone down, it's then become a committee backfield behind him. Um, that's just what Shanahan likes to do. He's thrown in Jeff Wilson. He's thrown in other guys in the past. I don't think it's going to be just Mitchell. 
Now, I am going out to get him in leagues because I think that right now he is the hot hand and they will ride him initially for these first couple of games. But I think if Sermon gets activated this week, which he should just because of a depth you know, piece, you need to have guys on your team now that your running backs are hurt. Um, I think he will eat into Mitchell's work. I don't think Mitchell's going to be the workhorse back like we saw. I think it will be more of a timeshare between the two. I think Jeff Wilson will get involved a little bit. Um, so I would go get Eliza Mitchell if you are in a league where you don't necessarily have a flex for this week, but I would not expect him to be an RB1 or RB2 for you going forward like he has in the past. If you have a weak flex spot and you think that he can contribute there or you need some depth at running back, I would go get him because then keep in mind too, uh, Mostert's going to come back probably in about six to eight weeks. And at that point, you know, until Mostert when he got injured, Mitchell wasn't really involved at all. And I think Mostert will come back and be involved with Sermon and the other guys they have there. So I think this is sort of like a temporary band-aid for your team. If some guy got hurt, like if, uh, you know, if Jerry Judy was in your slot and you need another guy now to come in and play that slot flex position, I would put uh, Mitchell there and expect some production from him, but I wouldn't go all in on him expecting him to be the starter for the rest of the season in San Francisco. Great take. Very, uh, very thought out. A couple things, uh, you know, you got to sometimes look at the fantasy season in, in chunks. And, and so you know, actually this is kind of how NFL coaches are too. It's like each quarter, like you want to win the, the quarters. And so you look at it, you know, four games. You know, I mentioned earlier, I'd love to have Damian Harris playing well and healthy at the end of the year. That's the goal. You want to get your top running backs available. But oftentimes, if you can get four good weeks out of a running back, you're in good shape. And so that could be Mitchell for you. And, and if, if a bunch of people do give up on Sermon, I think Sermon's worth keeping on your roster or, or going to get and putting on your roster because he might be the guy in the later weeks. And, and that's just how the season goes. And that's especially how it goes in San Francisco because they run through guys and a few good weeks for, for Wilson and you know whoever, all the guys over the years. You, you, they've, they've had so many, I can't even think of all of them, but it's been a turnstile at times. Matt Breida, you know, guy, guys that have, have, have contributed. So it, it's always good to have San Francisco running backs, uh, but you always have to have kind of a limited uh, expectation as far as them doing it for 16 games. That's usually not the case. Um, yeah, that's that's a good point that you just made about if someone in your league, they're in trouble with injuries and they end up dropping Trey Sermon because they need someone to start right away. Go pick up Trey Sermon and keep him on your bench because while maybe Mitchell now, while maybe some other guys, I believe Sermon will get involved by the end of the season. And that's when it's in your playoffs. If you make it to the playoffs, would you rather have you know, someone else on your bench, or would you rather have a guy getting touches in the San Francisco backfield and Trey Sermon? And I think that's more important. So if you see him on the waiver wire, in addition to Mitchell, I would also go get Trey Sermon as well. Yep, absolutely. Because I think San Francisco, they're going to be good. They gave up that lead uh, against Detroit, but I think that was more kind of credit toward Detroit making an effort. All right, a couple other names, investor pass. So I told you, uh, this is my guy, one of my guys, I'm, I'm all in on Cole Komet. Now the Bears didn't look great. But we saw Justin Fields in limited moments, and, and Harrison's actually a Bears fan. But but we saw what Fields can do. Fields will eventually be the starter, and I believe once he is out there, this offense is going to be very, very good, and Cole Komet is the tight end in Chicago. We figured that out. That was the lesson learned in week one. Jimmy Graham's still there. That's fine. He's nice. He's a good number two. They, they did some double tights a bunch, uh, but but Cole Komet is talented. You can see it, and and I think he'll, he'll be you – know, the third weapon at the very least 
uh, you know, as far as in the passing game. So, uh, so go get him if he's available. I'm, I'm stashed him. I think he's on at least five of my teams. Um, so I'm in on him. Uh, any thoughts as a Bears fan? As a Bears fan right now, I would say get him now before he breaks out because yep. he's not going to break out when Andy Dalton is the starter. That is for sure. I think this offense definitely has a ceiling with Andy Dalton, but I give it max two more weeks before Justin Fields is actually the full-blown starter there and Dalton's aside. And that's when I think if you already have him on your team, then you'll see Cole Komet break out and he'll be starter worthy in your lineup. All right, so a couple other ones. Following the Saints game, yeah, I would go get Jameis Winston. I would go get Juwan Johnson. Um, I think both those guys uh, can can be legit. You know, Johnson's still a little bit of a flyer, but he was former wide receiver, so we know he can catch. Uh, and, you know, Troutman's there, but I think Troutman was more hype. You know, he, he, he was out on the field, uh, but I still think that the talent-wise, Johnson and the fact that he was scoring touchdowns, I, I think that's that's worth it. So if you're if you're tight end desperate, he's definitely definitely worth going after. Uh, and I think I think some people will be hesitant. They're like, eh, the Saints, uh, Jameis. People still don't trust Jameis. Um, but if you look at over the years, the guy can throw. He puts up big yardage. He's got a big arm. They're going to score touchdowns, and we know what New Orleans is capable of. Um, and then as far as with Jerry Judy going down, Tim Patrick's a good guy to pick up. And, and, you know, he can give you four good weeks, maybe. Um, hopefully you drafted well enough to where somebody on your bench is going to go into the starting lineup, which is what I'll do. Uh, so Patrick's okay. I'd rather probably go take a flyer on somebody that maybe has a little bit more upside because eventually Judy's coming back. So I'm going to put Judy back into my lineup. So if you own Judy and then Tim Patrick, you know, okay, good. He's good for a few weeks. If you're that desperate, fine. But I'd rather get somebody following week one that could be good now and even when Judy gets back that you could still uh, keep on your roster. Um, and then Mark Ingram, eh, I'm passing. Good for Houston. He played well, but I, I'm not real hyped with, with uh, Mark Ingram. Uh, Christian Kirk, okay to pick up. I think it's fine. I still probably like the potential for, for Rondale Moore, um, but Kirk, he'll give you a few good weeks here or there. The, the Arizona lit it up uh, on Sunday, and, and I know you're high on Arizona, I'm probably not quite as high on them, but but they'll they'll be fine. They'll they'll be putting up a lot of points. So uh, interesting one there. I'll pass on Sterling Shepard. Uh, no thanks. I'll I'll avoid the Giants. I don't trust Daniel Jones in that that passing game there. Uh, so any final waiver wire thoughts? Invest or pass. So Christian Kirk is actually someone I would look to get if you need. This is who I like for the Jerry Judy replacement. And that's because if you look at three of his next four games come against the Vikings, bad defense, Jaguars, who just got lit up by the Texans, terrible defense, and then the 49ers, who just got scored all over and have a terrible secondary by the Lions. So I think those would be, you know, if you're looking someone to plug in your slot right away and could give you some big weeks, I think Christian Kirk could be a great pickup for those four weeks to sort of be a Band-Aid for someone else that got injured. One guy who's getting a little bit of hype who I'm just not buying into at all is Mark Ingram on the Texans. I mean, great story for the Texans to come out week one. But if you look at his stat line, I think he had 26 carries for like 80 yards. I mean, he got the touchdown on the goal line, which was good. But if he didn't get that touchdown... I mean, there's really not much else that he's offering. He's not going to catch passes. And this was a game when they were running the ball a lot. They had a positive game script because they were already up by so much. 
I mean, how many more games do you expect the Texans to actually be having a lead at halftime and ru- running in the second half? Probably not many. So, I mean, sure, you could get him, but I would not invest him in, in him as someone who you actually want on your team. Um, and then same thing with Sterling Shepard. I think this is kind of just a fluke week one thing. It's a crowded wide receiver room. I think it's going to be an unpredictable season for him going forward. You know, if he catches a touchdown, if he doesn't, what's going to happen there? Absolutely. All right, last thing. Most likely uh, to bounce back this week in week two, especially guys that kind of had a little bit down of a week in week one. So for me, it's George Kittle. I think he'll get more involved in in San Francisco's offense, uh, and and they've got a good uh, matchup uh, against the Eagles. So they're, they're going to have to score. Uh, you kind of match the Eagles' offense, and 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 so I think I think he'll get some opportunity, and then. Uh, the Chargers, Austin Eckler, you know, a little banged up, but still gotten into the end zone. I think he'll be more involved in the passing game because they're playing uh, Dallas. And, and so Dallas, we know, scores a lot of points. So we'll have to keep up with him. But I think the Chargers in general, their offense will be much better this week. They were going up against Washington, who's got a great defense. So they limited the Chargers, but, but I expect... Uh, especially Eckler to to have a big game. So yeah, yeah, and Eckler was coming off of a hamstring injury this whole week, where he only practiced twice um, the whole week. So I think that was something where you know he, they were limiting him a little bit and going against a good defense. He should definitely have a better week against Dallas, who just got you know completely demolished defensively. I guess offensively they hung in with Tampa Bay, but Tom Brady did whatever he wanted with them. Um, and another guy who I like to bounce back is Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I mean, I see some people being really concerned about this where, you know, last year he was kind of in this eh role in the Kansas City offense where it was really Tyreek, Kelsey, and then a drop off afterwards. But, you know, I think this was a game where they were coming from behind. It was more competitive than they wanted it to be against the Browns, and they were throwing a lot in the second half to try to get back into this game, especially late. I think week two um, and for the season in general, they'll be able to control the ball a little bit more, run the ball a little bit more. And this was something that happened with Kareem Hunt when he was there. Uh, There were weeks where he would not get a touchdown just because of how the game script went, and he would only have 10 carries for like 50 yards, like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire did. But then there were other weeks where if they got into a big lead, then you ride Kareem Hunt towards the end of the game. And I think that'll be the same thing with Clyde here later in the season. Yes, I agree that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, once the Chiefs start really rolling, they were just kind of eh, getting loose, getting warmed up. They'll be, they'll, that this offense will be clicking even more. And how reliable is Travis Kelsey? And how great was Travis Kelsey on with uh, Eli and Peyton last night? Oh, my goodness. So listen to the, uh, the live podcast, and uh, I'll be talking a bunch about the, uh, the Monday Night Football with, with Peyton and Eli. But, but Kelsey, woo, so reliable. Uh, I, but I couldn't get him. He was, he's too costly to get in fantasy. But if you luck out and you land him, it's, it sure is nice, but uh, but yeah, I'm with you on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, it was a decent game, but I think it can get, it can get better uh, as the season goes on. All right, well, there you go. This week's Fantasy Football Fellowship podcast. He's Harrison Zuckerberg. I'm Bryce Johnson. Look forward to joining you next Tuesday uh, following week number two of the NFL season. We're just getting going. Uh, man, so glad football is back. It was a fun week one and would love to hear from you any questions thoughts reactions you can email me bryce at unpackingit.com bryce at unpackingit.com and always love hearing from you have a wonderful week as we wrap things up i'm bryce johnson i'm a fantasy owner who loves jesus i believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin he was resurrected and through faith i've been saved by his grace 
I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans and fantasy owners who follow Jesus together. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast.